The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Engaging Truth, the manifestation of God's Word in the lives of people around us. Join us each week as we explore the impact of His message of spiritual renewal, from the lesson of forgiveness forged in the crucible of divorce, to the message of salvation learned by an executioner from a condemned killer, to the gift of freedom found in the rescue of victims of human trafficking. This is God's Truth in Action. Welcome to Engaging Truth. This is Dave Schultz, your host for this evening's program. And I have a guest from an organization from which I've had many guests over the course of time. And the organization is called Elijah Rising. And my guest for tonight is Don Gilbert. Welcome, Don. Thank you. It's great to be here. One of the things that I would like to know initially what is Elijah Rising? Tell me what it is and what it does. Okay, so we are an anti-sex trafficking organization, and we battle the issue of sex trafficking through prayer, awareness, intervention, and restoration. That's our mantra right there. What in particular is your position with Elijah Rising? So I am the awareness director. Um, so it is my task to educate all of Houston and beyond about what human trafficking really is, um, to um, uncover some of the myths about human trafficking, especially under the guise of what we know as prostitution, um, and just educate people. But I was a volunteer for Elijah Rising for many years before I took this position. Explain why human trafficking continues to flourish in a city such as we live in, just endowed with churches in every corner almost, but it still continues to exist. Why is that? Wow, that's a multifaceted question. So um, human trafficking exists because there is a demand for sex, a, particularly a demand for bought sex. We at Elijah Rising, we believe that this is a spiritual problem. Um, we do not believe that government is going to handle this problem. Law enforcement cannot handle this problem. This is a problem that needs to be addressed by the church. And I think one of the reasons that it has grown so much so quickly is because uh, the church hasn't wanted to talk about it. Um, it's one of those taboo subjects that's been off limits. Um, but I think we have enough understanding of it right now to, to know that this is something that needs to be on the forefront of what churches are equipping their people. Um, Why is the church ambivalent toward all of this? We know it's going on. Why would you say, just from your knowledge of, of human trafficking and the people that you've dealt with, why is the church silent or ambivalent toward this? Is it there a reason or reasons? I think there are many reasons. Uh, a lot of us think that we are protecting people by not talking about dark issues such as human trafficking. Um, do, you want, do you want my real honest opinion here? Absolutely. <laughs> um, studies are showing that 50% of pastors are even consuming pornography on a regular basis. And so I think that it is, it is a basic problem um, where we are falling into the sin of, of lust and acting upon that, and it's hard to face it, um, especially if you're practicing it. It makes sense. 
it, it, it makes sense if you don't want to uncover what is happening, you just are silent about it. Why can we no longer be silent about this? Simply, the government is not responsible, and they cannot be held responsible. Why is this? Why can't the government be held yes. responsible? Another, another very deep question. Um, I believe that they're part of it. I believe that they um, turn a blind eye to it. They're not going to outwardly condone it. There are people who want to legalize what they call sex work, but there's plenty of studies to um, support that idea because it's not going to solve the problem. Um, but I think that a lot of people in government are partakers of it. In fact, right here in Houston, there's a deal that's nicknamed the Sweet 16. And um, that is where um, the mayor of Houston um, crafted a deal with 16 local strip clubs. And they said, we already don't know that where there's a strip club, there is sex trafficking. And um, in part of this deal, the 16 clubs paid the city of Houston $1 million per year. And the city of Houston turned away, turned a blind eye um, to what was happening in there. And they were just able to operate their private sex business without interference from the government. Now that money was supposed, or is going to an anti-sex trafficking task force. Um, but we're not seeing too much of the fruit <laughs> of that. And from it, it's my understanding that other strip clubs have sued to get in. So now it's more than 16. And so when you have deals like that being made by local governments. It, it money is being made. Money is being made. And money is, you know, the root of this because this is worldwide. It's over $150 billion a year industry. And, you know, with love of money, you're going to find oppression and it's a concern of mine, I guess, in all pastors, or it should be a concern of ours, that this flourishes right outside of our door. And probably it is even difficult for some of us to preach about it or teach about it, simply because of the fact of the reasons that you gave before. We know that the Church of Jesus Christ has an obligation to proclaim the message of forgiveness and hope in Christ alone. How can you, as an awareness person, encourage the church to become more visible on this and more encouraging and more supportive of what you, Elijah Rising, are doing? Well, as, as a former teacher, I do believe that educating people is the key in, in, what you, in what you just asked, educating and equipping. And for the church, since many of our children are falling victim to this, I would think that they would want an active interest in, in protecting the people that um, belong to the body of Christ, um, first and foremost. Um, I'm sorry, could you repeat? I, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Well, tell me, tell me how the church can become more responsible in your sight or in the sight of yes. Elijah Rising uh, for assisting in, in, in what you are doing. Elijah Rising is, is doing, in my vision, as I've seen it, an incredible job over the past years. And, of course, there's been a lot of abuse to you uh, and discouragement to you also. But how can the church be truly of help as you see us as proclaimers of the gospel, message of forgiveness? Okay. 
So um, that one's easy. We just have to do what we were created and called to do. Um, the church is supposed to be a city on a hill. Darkness, things like sex trafficking, they have to operate in the darkness. They, they only want certain people to know about them. They're buyers. Um, they cannot operate where there's light. And I believe that it's not Elijah Rising's job to eradicate human trafficking. It is the church, the body of Christ, the body of believers, um, not just here in Houston, but throughout the world to go into these places and shine light, not go in and cause a big disturbance, but just be the love of Christ in the dark places so that it makes it difficult to operate. We have so many churches in Houston and in the Houston suburbs that if every single body would organize something and go out to these places, it would be a waste of time for traffickers to try to operate here because there would be too much knowledge of what is going on. Absolutely. And so I think, and this isn't something that <laughs> Elijah Rising is called to do. It is something that we are called to do. So I was an eighth grade English teacher up until this summer when I came to Elijah Rising full time. And something that one of my um, male students said to me has just really touched my heart. Um, a few years ago, the kids found out that I volunteered with Elijah Rising. A lot of questions. So over the years, I would educate. But one of them said to me, and he said, Miss Gibby, that's my nickname that they gave me, Miss Gibby, no offense to you, but you're old and you're not in the best of shape, but you go out and you talk to pimps every Friday night and you do these things that, you know, we think like superheroes do, but it's just you. And so if you can do this, anybody can do this. And that's, that sums it up so perfectly. If I can do this, you know, I'm a 53-year-old, you know, out-of-shape woman. If I can go out and do this, anybody can do this. Um, and the church is who is called to do this. We are to care for the orphans. We are care to care for the widows. We are to care for the people who are spiritually broken, um, which is everyone associated with human trafficking. Buyers are broken people. The girls being sold are extremely broken people. And even the pimps are broken people. And so it is our call that we have to answer to go and serve them. Just recently, you were at a convention, um, really, of, of young adults, uh, high school children, 20,000 of them in Houston. You were there. Tell me a story that you told me before, I think that is so compelling, about finally, you know, a mother coming to you and with, with her teen. Okay. So we had set up... Um, an anti or a human trafficking museum that started back in the 1800s showing the sexual slave trade okay the sexual slave trade you know throughout history and this one mom who was there with her teenage daughter got to the end of it and she just broke it down in tears and I, I asked her you know are you okay and, and she said yes I'm okay I just feel so guilty because I live in this little bubble I'm so sheltered I never knew that sex trafficking was right here. I, I thought it was in faraway places. I never knew it was happening here. And so that was very powerful to know that there, there are still so many people who, who either don't understand what human trafficking is and they just say, oh, it's prostitution and the girls want to do it, or they really don't even know what it is. And so it was so beneficial for her to walk through that museum and to see what is happening right in her own backyard. I'm sure with some of the children or some of the young people, I won't call them children anymore, but some of the young people at this convention uh, have truly 
got their attention for the first time on an issue of human trafficking. Tell me a story or tell me of, of someone that just doesn't leave your mind, of someone that talked to you. Well, I had a group of boys um, who walked through the museum and they, a lot of people would just go and look at the pictures, look at the artifacts and leave. But these boys spent well over an hour in the museum just going over every board and talking about it amongst themselves. And they came running over to me and they're like, we want to help, you know, we want to help fight, you know, sex trafficking. And I, I told them, that's wonderful. That is so good. Um, you know, but let me ask you first, are you part of the problem? And they're like, no, ma'am, no, ma'am, we are not buying sex, you know, and they were all, you know, kind of laughing about it. And I said, that's great. You're not buying sex. Now, let me ask you another question. What about pornography? And they all looked at the ground, turned really red, um, a little bit of nervous laughter there. And that's where I told them, I said, boys, start there. And then I, we had a probably a 25 to 30 minute conversation after that, where I taught them about how pornography is actually fueling sex trafficking and is a form. In fact, it is, I think, the largest financially um, profitable form of sex trafficking um, today. And then I told them, I encouraged them, I said, go talk to your youth pastor about this. Go when you get back home, talk to your senior pastor, and you all need to get something started. You just learned something. You were enlightened to something. Now go take it and act on it. And so I'm hoping that they do. How does pornography um, fuel human trafficking? Okay. Um, pornography is human trafficking. First of all, a lot of the girls and boys, the men that you see in those videos, are being forced to do this. It and I guess they all deserve Academy Awards because I know they're very convincing. It looks like they are enjoying this, um, but for a large majority of them, um, they are not. And before I go any further, it's important to know that the leading cause of death in the sex industry is suicide. So anyone who tells me, "Oh, these girls like this. This is just what they want to do," I beg to differ. Um, not only based on seeing, working with women every single week, um, but for statistics like that. Um, so many people are forced, but also it gives a false image of what sex is supposed to be. First of all, from a Christian perspective, um, God created sex for a purpose. Um, you know, it is to procreate and to join a man and woman in marriage um, in the most in intimate way that you can possibly be. Whereas pornography twists that into something that it's not supposed to be, into a lie. And these young people are having these, they're actually being groomed by pornography to expect that type of sexual performance, I'm just going to call it, um, in their sexual lives. Um, and then when That's a lot really of, distortion then for it, them. Absolutely, 100%. The girls that I talk to out on the streets, most of them will say, oh, yeah, some guy watched something in a porn video, and he wants me to now act that out with him because his wife won't do it. Um, I hear that a lot. And so it is, it's this stepping stone um, that goes from you know, watching pornography, um, and then you have to watch harder pornography, and it keeps going until um, you're out there purchasing sex. So what you're saying, it's really only Jesus Christ and the issue of forgiveness and hope in his promises that are going to make a difference. Okay. To make that big step must be difficult for some of these 
particular women who have been steeped in in human trafficking. Uh, is there a story that you have or a knowledge that you have of a lady who has come from that particular position and struggled to become a, uh, what she would need to be as a Christian lady? Every person I've encountered. Really? It, it doesn't, it's not easy. It is not an instantaneous transformation. It is something. Is it, can it uh, continued education then? Oh, yeah, a lot of continued education. But one thing that we're learning through our restorative care program, trauma has no term limit. Um, and when you think most girls enter into sex trafficking between the ages of 12 and 13, um, they're growing up in this. And so when we finally reach them, um, there's layer upon layer upon layer of trauma that has been um, put on them that even if they turn their lives to Jesus Christ, there's still a healing process that is going to be taking place. And so it, it, it must be rough... terribly bloodletting for these girls. Oh, it is. It, it is. And, and a lot of them, it's too painful, which is why most girls will leave the life at least seven times before it actually sticks. The same is true with alcoholism. To, to come out of alcoholism is very painful. Sometimes it's just easier just to take your own life than it is to to face the trauma of the difficulty that you must face. Well, can, I, let me, let me add on to that. Um, when we talk about God the Father, a lot of time that's very triggering for girls because familial trafficking is the fastest grow, growing form of sex trafficking in the United States today. So when you've been trafficked by your own father, that poses another hurdle for girls to get to the father. Um, it gives them a very distorted view of what fatherly love is. So, Let me just pause for a moment to tell you something about who we are. This is Evangelical Life Ministries. Our program was called Engaging Truth. We do this every Sunday night at 7 and 7.30. We invite guests from all over the country, all over the world, in fact, to be guests on the particular program. Uh, because what we do is talk about the message of Christ the message of Christ alone can transform um, even the, the most vile of, of, of human beings. We have done this for 15 years, and there's many, many podcasts that we have of past programming. If you'd like to go to our website, elmhouston.org, there you will find programs that of every variety, of every interview, of, of every kind of a person, just like the interview that we're doing this evening. And if you'd like to contribute, there's a way to do that as well. Uh, you can go to the website, and it, it directs you to different ways of contributing. But also, you can just write a check to ELM PO Box 568, Cypress, Texas 77410. And we will not only record that, but we will give you a receipt at the end of the year. So we want to say thank you for listening and being part of our program this evening. Back to Dawn. Dawn, one of the things that has disturbed me is where I find organizations within the city that buy children from other nations. They purchase them at the age of two and go back and pick them up at 10 or 12 or 11 and bring them to America. These kids can't speak English, but they're trained. There must be an ugliness in that. You must have seen that as well. Yes, uh, you, the United States um, is 
a huge destination for child traffickers. And the traffickers, and the traffickers work very hard to keep the children as hidden as possible. The places where I go on the weekends, I'm not going to find small children, you know, maybe 12, 13, and 14-year-olds, but not, not small children. Um, but yes, this is something that children are literally being raised for the purpose of selling as sex slaves. And it's something, again, that I believe that the church, we have to rise up and we have to be the ones to stop this. Um, first through prayer, but then through being the light of Christ. Um, is there a way um, for us, for people who are of interest to be able to see that this gets into the church as a viable conversation? Uh, is there a place where they can reach you? Is there a website? Is there a phone number? How is it that people or churches can contract a contact Dawn? Well, I would just, you can email me at dawn at elijahrising.org or go to our website, which is elijahrising.org. We have an amazing virtual museum that gives some of the history behind uh, sex trafficking uh, all the way back um, from the beginning until current day. Um, and we would be happy, Elijah Rising, what our hope is, is we want to educate and equip every church who's willing to learn so that you can equip your congregations, uh, not only to be aware of it and to protect your congregations, but to go out and make it really hard for traffickers to be successful in your areas, because it is everywhere. It's not just in the city where we like to think it is in the suburbs. In fact, there's not a town in the United States that is not experiencing sex trafficking. Is there a way that, let's say, a group of people, 10 or 12, could go with you some night um, on a trip or just a, a searching of an area? And how would they do that, Dawn? Well, we offer a van tour where we drive. Um, we can fit up to 12 people in a van, and we drive around uh, the Heights part of Houston, and we point out some local establishments that are um, illicit sexual businesses, and we give the history about them, and we, we basically teach you hey, when you're in your town, this is how you spot these things. Um, it sheds light. We've had many of them closed down after our van tour, which is what we want. Now, of course, they're going to pop right back up. But if we keep doing it, eventually, I think people just give up on that. Um, another thing is, is you can come and volunteer. Um, every one of our intervention um, teams is volunteer-based. And so we highly encourage churches to send people to us. We will put them through training. Um, we do we do vet our volunteers um, because we have to protect the girls that we serve as well as the other volunteer um, team members. I want to say, Dawn, this has been very educational for me, even though I've known Elijah Rising for a long time and I've interviewed a lot of people from your organization. Uh, it, just, it just moves in me again the thought that, you know, we need not turn a blind eye. It's easy to not talk about this, but it's hard because it's it's hard intelligence. And I want to say thank you, Don, for being present with us uh, this evening and giving us an enlightening understanding of of human trafficking, and and the pain and the anguish and the the joy of of knowing that you can do something and the church can do something not just uh, just simply talk about this, but eradicate it as well. 
So thank you for being with us, and I want you to come back to be with us again on Engaging Truths. Good night, and be with us again. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410, or visit our website at elmhouston.org, or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.